Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Campaign Podcast, where we chat about advertising, media, and marketing. I'm your host, Omar Oaks. We have a special episode today where I'll be talking about the elephant in the room. We'll make that two elephants in the room, namely Google and Facebook. The CMA, the UK's competition watchdog, dropped a huge report a couple of weeks ago in which they told us kind of what we already know. Uh, these companies have a huge amount of power and influence over our industry. Um, but they did put forward a lot of recommendations over how to make things better for advertisers, publishers, and in particular, internet users. Um, we're going to get into this properly with two people who know what they're talking about and you really need to listen to if you want to have a better understanding of what needs to be done to make advertising work better online. Joanna Burton and Nick Manning. Um, they'll be talking about in particular what marketers should be thinking about. And spoiler alert, the answer is not to just find the cheapest way to spend your media budget. Uh, quick housekeeping note before we begin. Um, I'm taking some time off over the next few weeks and we'll be back in September just in time for our big Campaign 360 event, which you should definitely check out. Go to campaign360.co.uk to find out what I'm talking about. It's basically the big annual event we would have done in Brighton in May, Media 360, plus so much more. Uh, until then, we will endeavour to bring you some bonus episodes over the summer. But in any event, have no fear. The campaign podcast will return for a new season in the autumn when, fingers crossed, life will be much closer to normal. So I'm here today with two experts on digital advertising and what the future for this very interesting space. Um, we have Joanna Burton, who is Chief Strategy Officer at ID5, the independent ad tech company, which builds identity infrastructure for digital advertising. And that means helping publishers increase programmatic revenues and improve user experience with privacy by design. Uh, she joined there from SpotX and over the past 25 years, she's worked for a range of advertising companies from Microsoft to AOL to AppNexus. Um, we also have Nick Manning, who's an independent consultant, commentator and advisor having been a co-founder of Manning Gottlieb Media, which is now part of Omnicom's OMD. Uh, he was chief executive of OMD Group and a media consultant at Ubiquity and MediaLink. He now specialises in programmatic media as an advisor and investor. And so we're here to talk about this recent report by the Competitions and Markets Authority, the UK Competition Watchdog, which has essentially said Google and Facebook control too much of the £14 billion digital ad market. And there needs to be a new digital markets unit, they say, to curb exploitative or exclusionary practices. Uh, now, there's a lot in this report. It's um, more than 400 pages. Um, but I guess we want to focus here on what needs to be done to ensure that advertisers get a good deal going forward. Uh, so I guess if I can go to you first, Joanna, going through this report, what's the real agenda behind this? What's kind of the thread which is tying it together from the CMA's point of view? Well, thank, thanks very much for having me, Omar. And yeah, you're right. It's a really interesting report. It is a really long read. And in the report, it says that Google has more than 90% of the 7.3 billion search advertising market in the UK. And Facebook takes more than half of the 5.5 billion UK online display advertising market and this dominant position means that um they're basically as you said getting to set the prices set the rules set the rules of engagement 
The report has a, a really detailed analysis of the open market for display advertising, which um, I think we're going to focus on here. And it calls for um, greater transparency over ad tech fees and verification, so topics that have really been in the press a lot recently. And it follows, uh, you know, it's the natural follow on from the Cross review, which I, I've had another read of. And that basically said... Online platforms can impose terms on publishers without consulting or negotiating with them. And we saw a few publishers die over the last couple of years that had built their business on Facebook. The algorithms change and then they're no longer around. So I think it it also comes at a time when there's support in the US for a boycott of Facebook advertising. Um, There's also um, government investigations in the US and, and people calling for Google to be broken up because it's too powerful. But fundamentally, these two companies have become too powerful. If if you look at the stats raised in the report, it says that uh, Google alone has 90 to 100% of the publisher ad server market, 80 to 90% of the advertiser ad server segment, 50 to 60% of the supply side platforms um, in the market and 50 to 60% of demand side platforms. That's that's really big, but the report specifies... Google's position at each level of the value chain means it has the ability and incentive to exploit its position on both sides of a transaction to favour its own sources of supply and demand. So I firmly believe that being able to see both sides of the equation, you know, there should be a natural tension between the buy side trying to get the best prices for the for the buyer, for the brands, the advertisers, the technology deployed in their interest and the publisher side technology deployed to get the best service and uh, prices for a publisher and best deal for them. And at the moment, there's just too much power consolidated in too few hands. Uh, right. Um, a lot to unpack there. Um, I want to bring in Nick in a second. But before I do, um, did you get the sense of going through the ports? I mean, you obviously, um, you know, this industry incredibly well. Did you feel that it was authoritative that um, I, I don't want to be reductive and say, did they know what they were talking about? But did you really feel that they were getting to grips with the real issues that um, are facing this industry? I do, actually. So I think they've done a great job in making it easy to read. I think it has a heritage and um, building on previous research. It was the Ken Cross Review that called for this report to be um, conducted and then they recommend the digital market units. They definitely understand the um, issues. I feel I understand they've worked with some industry bodies on this as well. So I think that's a really important step. They understand the issues. The question you might be alluding to is, do they have the power to do anything about it? Uh, we'll get on to that. Um, but before we do, uh, Nick Manning, um, given um, how much you know about the media industry and the, the, I guess the way that Google's and Facebook's power has accreted over time, appreciating that the, um, the impetus for this review came from the Cross review, but what do you think is the kind of common thread in terms of um, the, the competition and markets authority could be looking at this from many angles, but what do you think has really driven what they're trying to do here? That's a great question. Um, reading uh, not only the report, all 437 pages of it, but also reading the interim review they did last year and Cairn Cross, and also the submissions from uh, stakeholders following those two reports. Um, it's very clear, uh, there's it, a very clear picture that emerges actually. Um, and I would also like to say that I think it's an incredibly well informed document that ought to be read and digested by just about everybody in our industry, really. Um, it's, they, they've done a great job. Um, and, but the, the main thing that they seem to want to achieve is to maintain a healthy UK 
publishing marketplace where you specifically this is bearing in mind as a UK body where UK publishers and publications are strong they're profitable and they operate in a well-balanced marketplace so to a certain extent this is about maintaining a healthy media industry in the face of strong competition from global players like uh, like Google and uh, Facebook um, and they they understand as well as everybody that high quality content is very important for consumers uh, and for publishers, of course, and advertisers. So there's the, the three, uh, if you like, constituencies they're addressing here. Publishers, very, very important in all of this, but they're also trying to protect consumers from potential damage further downstream from what might happen to the publishing industry. And bear in mind, we're, ha- we're saying all of this today when The Guardian announced this morning a further 180 redundancies uh, in its workforce, which is 12% of its total workforce, um, as a result of what COVID has done to the to the market. So really, it's you know, COVID is piling on a lot of pain on top of uh, the situation that already uh, existed. So the the main thrust really is to make sure that we have a good ecosystem for publishing um, uh, in the marketplace. Um, but it also attempts to make sure that there is a strong and vibrant advertising market to help advertiser-funded publishers um, achieve the results that they need to fund that content. So it's it's many-faceted, and it really is incredibly enlightening in terms of what it believes the UK media market should look like and the kind of legislation that could be uh, necessary to bring it into line. Mm. Okay. And Joe, what implications are there in particular for the online display market, obviously, um... Um, when we say that we're talking mostly about Google, uh, Google plays such a large role. I mean, it's not the it's not the only um, demand side, supply side platform, but it's it's definitely the the largest. Um, what in particular, what is in the report that would make that market better, if you like? There's some really interesting um, points about data. So Google and and Facebook as well, they have access to so much data. If you think about it, um, as a consumer, um, how much information you share maybe about yourself on Facebook or your friends or the competitions that you filled in. You know, we've, you've already covered all the Cambridge Analytica stuff a few years ago when data was mined and then there was the various data breaches. And then on the same side, Google just has access to a huge amount of data from um, all their apps and services they provide, as well as Google Ad Manager, the ad server on the publisher and demand side, the DSP they own and all the information they have in the cloud, etc. It's just it's just too much data to be owned by one company. It's it's um, and it makes for a very unfair market, which is you know the point here. So they have they are able to operate from a different position from the Times or the Guardian, as you mentioned, Nick, or, or Reach or or um, Hearst or other publishers who don't have access to that kind of information, especially those who only in the past few years have started to um, collect data on their consumers. There's many publishers that don't have any information about the consumers that come to their site. There's been a dramatic drop in the number of journalists and other services employed by publishers, and also a big drop in readership of independent publishers. So I think one of the really important recommendations in the report is um, the idea about data separation and about... um, 
can should these parties be asked to share their data with other publishers and with other people in the ecosystem? I think it's an interesting point. I think it's more likely that we'll end up with no one has access to the data, but the current situation is there's too much data in in, in too too few hands. Mm. What about um, for advertisers, Nick? Um, I was, I was going to ask him a, a fairly blunt question: Should they care? <laughs> is this just about kind of saving quality media or is it, you know, these businesses aren't charities. If, if Facebook and Google are giving them such a highly rewarded um, advertising um, experience, then should they really care about this? Uh, yes, they absolutely should for uh, for several reasons, really. Um, and let's list a few of them. So, But let, before we do that, I just want to talk about uh, the CMA's point of view on this, because it isn't just about um, protecting publishers, it's also uh, about uh, having a more transparent and more competitive advertising market, both in terms of the ability for advertisers to make uh, well-informed choices and also what they pay for their advertising. Um, and the CMA quite clearly does not like what they see when they look at uh, the particular strengths of Google at all points of the advertising ecosystem uh, and the potential, which Joanna referred to, for Google to be able to bring in uh, data from its other properties to be able to gain an advantage in the marketplace by being able to manage and control the entire advertising ecosystem all the way through from the advertiser via the ad server for advertisers all the way through to publishers um, via you know the, the whole supply chain. So um, they, there is quite a lot in here about that. And, and the, the interesting thing, I think, from an advertiser's point of view is um, choice and plurality is a very important uh, aspect of uh, the, the advertiser marketplace. Advertising works best when it is actually showcased in the right kind of uh, content. There's, a, there's a, a strong correlation between where advertising appears uh, and its effectiveness and the ability to engage and, and uh, get the attention of consumers. Uh, and the danger is that um, as uh, the traditional publishers who are uh, providing high quality premium content start to suffer as they are at the moment, um, then the advertisers have less high quality premium uh, advertising context in which to advertise. That's point number one. The second point is that um, advertisers uh, are paying too much as it stands at the moment in transaction costs in order to be able to make programmatic advertising work or in fact online advertising work. But CMA says that uh, 35% of an advertiser's budget is lost in transaction costs uh, before a single ad appears. Uh, the recent ISBAR report said that number was more like 50%, but the CMA report says that even 35% is too much. Um, and that 35% is depriving publishers of uh, revenue that they desperately need, but it's also reducing the effectiveness of advertisers' budgets by that much as well. Now, there is a, there is a cost to running the technology, but the CMA thinks 35% is too much and it's inefficient. So the CMA does not believe that the advertising marketplace is working either for advertisers uh, or for publishers very well at the moment. And they believe one of the reasons for that is because of the very high market shares that Google in particular have got in that marketplace. There is other competition and Google are not wrong uh, in this in their submissions when they say that there is other competition in the marketplace but they, their market shares speak for themselves and and joanna mentioned these the report is full of it so there, there needs to be a review of them that marketplace and there needs to be more transparency and lower cost uh, to make sure that advertising money is invested better in the marketplace
Mm, indeed, um, the CMA um, actually I'll quote it. They say that Facebook and Google have developed such unassailable market positions that rivals can no longer compete on equal terms. Um, but I guess the thing is, um, surely this has been allowed to happen because the publishers have in entered into this game with open eyes. You know, the, the incredible reach and traffic you can get from um, spending on Facebook and Google and putting your content on these platforms. And they've been happy to enter into a revenue share deal. Haven't, haven't publishers benefited from it? I'm sure the publishers have increased their reach and benefited from reaching wider audiences, reaching um, new audiences that may not have come to their sites before. But... I think there's a lot of really premium quality content um, by loads of different people in the value chain sharing this quality content on YouTube, on Instagram, on Facebook, and not seeing a fair return on that uh, content. So yeah, they've had increased reach. There has been some benefits. There's also been some structure that Google has helped support with the publishing industry as well. But I don't think the cost benefit really works out in their favour. And I feel at the moment, um, especially as views have massively declined, uh, massively inclined over the past few months, but the advertising dollars haven't followed. So are publishers trying to get reach and reach new users and, and posting their content at the expense of margin and the expense of being able to uh, run their business efficiently and at the same time, actually contributing to the ever-increasing data pools that these companies will amass and then be able to use to their advantage. Nick, do you think, um, looking at some of these individual proposals, but do you think um, ultimately it's going to come down to looking at Facebook and Google as they've become too big to fail almost, or you could look at them as public utilities now? Are they essentially just such big media entities that you know the public can't do without them? Um, and if we're going to actually have a fairer advertising ecosystem on these platforms, they need to be broken up, whether that's kind of separating out the ad sales from the, the media platforms. Do you think ultimately that's, you know, there's going to be a question for the US and the Justice Department, et cetera. But ultimately, is that where we're going to have to get to, no matter how good and these CMA recommendations are? Well, I think there's only really two options. One is some kind of uh, breakup, uh, which I, I guess uh, could happen, but would probably be led out of the US marketplace rather than the UK, uh, not least of all because the big platforms are domiciled in the US. It's also where the, the greatest leverage uh, is. So it, it is possible that they might be required to divest some of their assets. Um, the alternative is strict guardrails to govern um, how they manage the infrastructure. And I think it's very important to distinguish between Google and Facebook because they, they are extremely different animals they're not they're often uh, lumped together but they they really shouldn't be because they they do very different things um facebook is uh, you know is a social network obviously uh, with high network effects google is a technology company first and foremost but by buying uh, a number of other technology companies or many uh, technology companies over time have built up a situation where they effectively control the the roads the railways the canals and the airways um, and can therefore control the traffic that flows through all of those channels. Now, that situation exists, and actually uh, consumers like it uh, because virtually all of it is, to all intents and purposes, or certainly to their eyes, free of charge. It works well, um, and therefore the consumers are actually benefiting from some of the vertical integration that has happened in the marketplace, and that's been built up over a long period of time. But the alternative 
which is more doable at a local level, is to have strict guardrails uh, in place in, in, as to how that infrastructure is managed um, and how the different parts of the of, of the industry work. And quite a lot of the recommendations from the CMA are about uh, accepting that that infrastructure exists, but trying to break out its uh, potential um, uh, ability to be to manipulate the marketplace. So, for example, requiring Google to open up their, se- uh, their search data to other search engines, um, requiring Facebook to allow consumers to opt out of personalized advertising which is the raison d'etre in some ways of facebook mm. so some kind of change is called for here um no single jurisdiction perhaps has the ability to enforce all of that uh, but these uh, conversations are taking place throughout the world now in many jurisdictions there's some brilliant stuff coming out of australia for example the eu have been looking at this very closely the us will so there is a, a growing drumbeat of acceptance that this has now gone too far, uh, and there needs to be a change. Uh, Joanna, what do you think? Uh, are regional guardrails strong enough, or ultimately like, do we have to get out the hammer? And <laughs> do you get out the hammer and break break up Google? Joanna, the hammer. <laughs> uh, I think that um, I think that it makes sense for the company to be divided um, from its content, divided up from its advertising technology uh, products, from its uh, operating system and the browser. I think that would make sense, and that may happen. Um, I also am a fan of regulation. I feel like content should be regulated. I previously worked for a competitor of YouTube. I worked for Daily Motion, and it's hard to keep track of all the content that you have on your site, but it's really important. We wanted to be a platform for people to make fan films, and uh, we were bigger than YouTube at the time, by the way, uh, and have users be able to share their stories online which is a great idea obviously someone else made a better job of it but I think it's really important that that content is regulated it is essentially a media owner they shouldn't have different rules for the content that they display than a traditional broadcaster has when they put content online versus when a publisher a news broadcaster posts posts on their site. So I feel like we need stronger regulation that needs to come at an international level. That's like an, a long-term or a mid-term conversation. There's several things that we can do. I'm sure you've got ideas, Nick, from um, what advertisers can do to try and uh, reduce their dependency or reduce or, or, or better to say make themselves more independent of the walled gardens. And there's things that publishers can do to try and make themselves, you know, don't wait for the companies to be regulated and then have to deal with that. There's like specific steps that publishers could take. So, for example, um, a lot of, you know, we talked about the market share with Google Ad Manager. There's a, there are alternatives. Um, for example, publishers could come together and, and could join Prebid, which is an open source publisher community driven uh, solution. So, Publishers coming together to try and share learnings, to try and innovate from a technical point of view. I think that's something that um, makes a lot of sense. The, the stakes are high. There's a track record of these companies using their unfair advantage. So, for example, um, when Google bought Invite Media and rolled it into, they ha- now have a great DSP, but it's the only DSP that can buy on YouTube. They bought Urchin. Great piece of technology. They launched Google Analytics, a free software product that um, competed with, I was at Omniture at the time, competed with 
other web analytics companies. So they have such power, they can wipe out whole markets. So mm. I think that publishers should be wary of that and try and reduce their dependency. Um, another, we talked earlier about not posting the content for free online. Um, publishers could also look uh, to find alternatives to the single sign-on that Google and Facebook. So instead of, you know, you as a consumer, you sign on to the website with your Google ID, your Google email address, or your Facebook, it's so easy to do that, right? You just go straight through, but you're sharing all your contact details, all your friend details, who your friends are, and um, with the publisher, that, with the with the Google and, and Facebook that way. And Apple are belatedly getting into that, aren't they? Sign yeah. yeah. But there's an alternative to that as well. There's an alternative approach to doing that, and that's if you look at what the NetID Foundation has done in Germany, where the major publishing groups have come together to create a single sign-on Finally, is another thing that I think, you know, that we've touched upon in this conversation. I think it's really important that publishers, and, and I'm, I'm sure you agree on the advertiser side, Nick, come together and work with the industry bodies to help them in the conversation with Google and Facebook and other walled gardens. You know, there's a similar situation that we have right now with Apple making the changes to the identifier for advertisers, the way that they've been, um, people have, advertisers have been used to tracking uh, advertising on mobile and they're just dictating the changes you know making changes um that will have a huge impact on mobile app developers and people who monetize mobile in september october november of this year so i think working with the industry bodies project the arc out of the ieb tech lab the aop is a great um way for publishers in the uk to communicate with google in like a formal fashion um the IAB Europe has actually been super useful in this with the development of the transparency and consent framework for GDPR and now the new one that's coming out on the 15th of August, 2.0, um, for GDPR in Europe and also for CCPA. So I think it's time for publishers and advertisers to try and work together to collaborate and to reduce the dependency on these major wall gardens. And then a key part of that is the consumer. So in the uh, Competition and Markets Authority report, they talk about fairness by design with data and a need for, um, there's actually a point where they say that um, many people feel like if they have to sign up to Google's terms and conditions and Facebook's terms and conditions, otherwise the products wouldn't work. And so it's almost having too much power. And of course, as a, as a consumer, you're more likely to say, yes, it's not just the same yada yada, but yes, to Google or Facebook household names than you might be to Talaria, uh, Sovereign or some other company that is not necessarily a, a, you know, a household name. So I think, you know, work with the industry bodies to help educate the consumer on how the data is used. And it's not, you know, are you going to sell my data or not? There's a middle ground with um, about how you have access to free content and here's how it works. And I think that's understood when it comes to SVOD and AVOD on with broadcasters and with Netflix. And then we need to have some sort of middle ground, like what data is taken and how it's used compared with, are you selling my email address? And, you know, that's, I think that's a fundamental thing that we really need the government's help with, helping educate the consumers. Uh, Nick, I want to pick out something um, that Joanne just said about um, um, helping advertisers through this. And, um, they will still rely a lot on media agencies, won't they, for making decisions um, about digital advertising. Um, having kind of built and run a media agency and a media agency network, 
um, what what do you think the conversations are? What, what do you think the conversations are now between media agencies and advertisers with regard to Google and Facebook? Um, I have the impression, stop me if I'm wrong, that, you know, Google and Facebook within their own realms, they're just seen as giving you the best deal. You know, the unrivaled scale and reach and targeting abilities um, in their different ways. Um, do, you, do you think that media agencies should be having a different sort of conversation, if you accept my premise? Uh, it is the $64,000 question, which is what is the role of the media agency in this process? And um, it isn't just about buying media, which has become, uh, if you like, quite dominant in the in the discussion about all of this. And it's things like media pricing and and so on and so forth. And, you know, the, the digital industry has got hooked on very low CPMs. In other words, low unit costs for advertising as a proxy for effectiveness. And that's where a lot of the the problems begin and end. So advertisers need to take a stronger position on this and work in a different way with their media agencies and hold uh, the the whole um, supply side to account. Um, because it isn't just about you know buying cheap media and hoping that a lot of it sticks and uh, looking for short term effects. Um, advertisers need to have a strong, healthy media ecosystem in which to work and therefore they need to work with their media agency partners on making sure that happens and that their own media budgets are actually invested in the right way and one of the, the issues we have is that programmatic has sort of raced away in terms of its ability to automate the trading process um, and that isn't actually how it's supposed to work what it's supposed to do is use data uh, as a way of uh, reaching consumers in the most effective fashion, in the right environment and at the right time, et cetera, et cetera, and right message. That's not quite how the market's working at the moment, and it's how it does need to work. So my 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 recommendation to advertisers would be work with your media agencies in a, in a much more controlled fashion so that you actually look at uh, where the money is being planned and bought you know, in, in a much more responsible fashion. Um, otherwise, uh, premium publishers will disappear and advertisers will be forced even more into advertising on user-generated content, which is not really where, where we want to be. So I, so I agree with you, Nick. I think, you know, I've worked in programmatic advertising now, I realise, for more than 10 years since, um, since we launched technology when I was at Rubicon Project in April 2010. And I think it's hugely powerful technology that people can use however they want. If, if an advertiser wants to have a seat on an SSP and wants to have access to keyboards and um, be looking in the UI, they can. And if they want to step back and let an, an agency hire an agency trading desk who themselves hires a DSP and then just gives them the results, they can. So this is a very powerful technology that can be used however it works for the advertiser and the agency and the publisher as well. And I think the technology is very often in the hands of um, the powerful people in the agency, but sometimes it is in with you know people who are in their first or second job and haven't had the media planning experience in the past. I also agree with you, Nick, about um, the importance of a uh, premium environment. So we work with premium publishers all over the world. I, I, I wrote about this in my last dissertation. Context is is incredibly important, but I do love how programmatic advertising has democratized uh, advertising and, and publishing to the point where if you have a passion and there's four of you want to write a blog about that passion you can make a living out of it or you can be a yoga teacher with your own website and make a living out of it 
we've seen in the pandemic, I've seen um, a lot of faith-based organisations set up their own services online and be able to work directly with their parishioners that they can't see normally or, or sports companies as well. So it's, it's democratised advertising and publishing that way and brought the ability for smaller companies to be able to have to reach national advertisers that they wouldn't be able to do if they had either a person hitting the phones trying to get to agencies or if they tried to do it themselves or work in other ways. But Nick, why do you think the industry has got so obsessed with these cost metrics? Uh, why? Well, there's a number of reasons for that. One is uh, because uh, there's a, a belief within certain aspects of the industry that low cost uh, is a good thing. Um, part of it is led by um, the, uh, you know, irresponsible procurement uh, and you know I, I'm deliberately calling out irresponsible procurement as opposed to procurement here because there is some extremely good procurement that goes on and I've seen it up close but I've also seen the the opposite of that as well just chasing costs for its own sake um, and because there has been an over oversupply of low-cost impressions it's very tempting to just let the machines loose uh, to soak up that that uh, amount of supply and a lot of that supply is very low quality, very low viewability. A lot of it is fraudulent or synthetic in some way. And the markets become awash with uh, inventory that probably has very little value, but is there to be bought and sold. And so if you like, the automated side of it has taken over from the, the, the real essence of programmatic, which is about targeting through automation. Um, and uh, it's, and, and the, all of the intermediaries involved here, agencies, ad tech companies, um, they, a lot of them are paid just on the number of the number of impressions they can push through the system. Uh, you know, they, they're paid for the amount of water they can move. And the trouble is, if you get paid for you know an impression, you don't really care too much about what that impression looks like. Um, the temptation is just to go more impressions equals more money. I'll let that happen. So we kind of need to, to to start again. And this is what I would do as an advertiser and sort of say, don't just talk to me about impressions. If we have to have a currency, let's have a currency. But I want to know what those impressions are, where they're going, what they're like. Are they real? Uh, are they being seen? I, I would ask an awful lot more questions of that nature. And it may well be that advertising on a faith-based site to reach a very small audience could be a good thing for the brand. Um, but you need to know that as opposed to that that website just setting itself up, going into, uh, signing on to Google, getting accreditation. And before you know it, any brand can advertise on that website. It just doesn't make any sense. Um, so a lot more care needs to be applied to programmatic. And the trouble is, it's so easy just to let the machines run. Um, and it's also very lucrative because it means that the impressions just flow through uh, and everybody gets paid, whether the advertising appears or not or is effective or not so there are a number of reasons for it um and in the end and i've been saying this for a long time now it's up to the advertisers to resolve this uh because they should be the ones saying i'm only going to spend my money where it should be spent and i i'm very encouraged by the fact they are now um you know looking at facebook and saying we really care where our money is spent and that could be the start of something big where they start to become much more uh, cautious or no considerate I should say about how they spend their advertising money so I think there's some good signs there. Um, just on the point about Google one of the interesting observations um, you could make over the last few years in our industry is you look at some of the agencies 
um, from outside the big holding companies uh, or some which have been bought by the holding companies like Essence, um, if you look at the, the really successful agencies, they're all massively in with Google. You, know, you think about um, Periscopics and Brain Labs and Crowds, um, Jellyfish, which I think he, Jellyfish described themselves as, uh, what was the words exactly? It was like, we, we, are, we would be described as Google's agency or something yeah. like that. Um, surely that's not a coincidence. Surely the, be- the more in you've been with Google in the last few years, the better your fortunes are. And at this point about um, media agencies or even advertisers when they're in-housing their digital media, you know, not just looking at cheap cost of media, as you said, Nick, but actually kind of looking looking at this form of media in the rounds. Don't you think that that's the problem, that essentially um, Google's power has already been felt? And you're going to have to start unpicking that if you really kind of want to get to a fairer ecosystem. For example, um, not you know having stricter controls over whether you can be a media buyer on Google, but also be an agency that does services for Google. We're actually making income through other means from them. Well, you 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 can be a very considerate and careful advertiser and use Google's infrastructure for implementing your campaigns. Um, that, that is, that's possible now. Um, just because you're using Google's ad tech stack doesn't mean to say that you have to spend your money in a particular way. Um, just, just dwelling on, on the success of the agencies you mentioned, though, and hats off to them. They've, they've built a fantastically set, uh, successful set of businesses on the fact that Google and Facebook have provided um, you know, very, very uh, um, successful channels for them. The tools are easy and good. But in a way, it, it speaks to the fact that Google and Facebook have, have such a command of the market now that those agencies have been able to build very successful business on, on the back of that. What I'm saying, though, is that there's no, that there is every reason to believe that certain Google properties are uh, well worth using, uh, Facebook's well worth using, but in a particular way and being really cautious and careful and considerate about how they're used and whether they are effective or not um, and where the advertising is appearing, whether it appears or not. So this isn't just about the fact that Google and Facebook are strong advertising platforms. It's about how they're used and the mechanics of getting to use them as well. Um, So that's why I think it comes back down to the advertisers rather than just letting the media agencies, if you like, just go away and do the job. They should be exercising a, a lot more control over the process uh, and calling the agencies to account a lot more for how that money is being uh, planned and bought. Should um, I should also point out um, Facebook and Google in their own ways um, disagreed with the premise, um, I guess, of the CMA report. Um, Facebook said that we face significant competition from the likes of Google, Apple, Snap, Twitter, Amazon, as well as new entrants like TikTok. Um, Similar, Ronan Harris, um, who's the vice president of Google UK and Ireland, um, said advertisers today choose from a wide range of platforms that compete with each other to deliver the most effective and innovative ad formats and products. Um, So I guess, Joanna, without trying to undercut um, (laughs) this conversation we've just been having, um, do you think they have a point? Yeah, they have a point and there will always be... um... And more and more technology coming, but actually, the report itself says that their power limits uh, competition. It limits the power that they have now. Limits the opportunity for new companies to emerge and innovate in this market. And I think that's more true. And also, you know, the the competitors, their competitors, 
that they listed there are more for share of voice of user time than they are for ad revenue where they have their unassailable position. And I'm sure that um, they will continue to main, maintain their unassailable position by continuing to grow share of voice and monetize that through their unequal access to data. Yeah, and I, th- I think just jumping in there is that the, the CMA report uh, is not actually saying that they exercise their uh, power and strength uh, in a malevolent way. Um, they say that, that, that what they're really saying is there is the potential for that to happen. Now, whether or not that does happen, they, you know, they, they, the report doesn't uh, reach that conclusion. But by the fact that they own so much of the infrastructure and have such a uh, a large um, amount of data flowing through their systems, um, then the potential exists for market manipulation. And that is the bit that the CMA is particularly keen uh, to avoid. And it's knock-on effects on the consumer and on publishers um, and on, um, the, uh, on advertisers. So it's trying to protect the interest of those three audiences, if you like, uh, and it quite rightly concludes that we have a an advertising market which is not currently working at its best for th- all three of those constituencies, uh, and a more transparent and fluid and more competitive marketplace would be in the interest of all three of those constituencies. Um, and while there there are arguments that are valid that Google make and and Facebook make, um, in the end the report is extremely well informed in terms of the potential um, uh, harms that can be uh, caused by this level of uh, market share. Um, And it would be in everybody's best interest if there were to be a full review. Um, And uh, that could potentially lead to a dilution of of their market strength. So I think that's a good summary, but I would also say let's not wait for these changes to come, for the um, regulations to kick in, for the next for the units to make their recommendations. I think that um, advertisers and publishers can take steps now to uh, try and reduce their dependencies on the walled gardens, on Google and Facebook and on the others that you've just mentioned, the other digital platforms, and look to try and educate themselves and the consumers on how the data is used. And I think that's that's critical to the success of the overall ecosystem going forward. I couldn't agree more. That's absolutely true. And and the advertisers can take action now. There's no question about that. Um, the, you know, and uh, it's a shame that, that more of them aren't doing that. But the trade bodies are pushing hard, and I think you'll, you'll see them pushing an awful lot harder. Well, I'm afraid that's it for another episode. Thanks very much to Joanna and Nick. Thank you. It's our pleasure. And our partners at Number 8 Studios for their fantastic help and support for making this podcast possible this year. This episode was edited and co-produced by Ben Londersborough at Campaign, the magic man who I can't speak highly enough of and is behind so many of the excellent videos we produce on campaignlive.co.uk. Remember, subscribe to the Campaign Podcast if you don't already so you don't miss a future episode. But until next time, stay safe. Goodbye.